Abba, this day, this new day, again, you fill my lung with your breath. I breathe in life. Thank you, Father. The opportunity to come yet again and share your truth, your knowledge and your wisdom. To any that would have an ear, let them hear and listen to your truth. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Baraklitos Aman. So after this time, all this time that I've been sharing with you, and um, you've kind of, any regulars out there, that's nice. And even if you're not, that's okay too, because I'm still about my father's business. I'm doing what he's asked me to do. But anyway, um, you know that I like to share things that are mm, relevant and something they could be learning but most importantly is to edify you and lift you up and clarify things and, and help you understand um, things better and that's my purpose and that's what God wants me to do and he wants me sharing his word that way so again that word edify means to build up and lift up and not to just pour out information on you which there are a lot of folks that do that they just and some of these these, um, well, they're, they're these uh, <laughs> individuals that set up these podcasts and they do it on their own and some of them are celebrities and I don't know who they are, some of them, but they're just, uh, what they do is they just pour out a whole lot of information. They just dump stuff on people and, and uh, when they speak to them, they, uh, when I hear them speaking, they're like they're uh, they're speaking down to a lot of folks, and that's a, I shared with you a thing that happened with the professor and his colleagues, and they were doing that, but he let them realize that I knew a lot more than they were get, willing to give me credit for. They found out on their own. That's okay, but that's not to toot my horn. That's just saying that a lot of this goes on, and that's relative. To the word of God, because unfortunately there are many, um, and this is these are the ones that I call the um, the um, the wizards. You know, they speak down at individuals, and they they won't give you. They don't help you out, and a lot of times they're, uh, they speak down, uh, down their nose, and there are alleged uh, Christians that go out there, and these are the, you know, they talk down to people. They speak over their head. They don't give them any kind of uh, information that they can use or be helpful with, and that's not good testimony. And here in, oh, what do you know about that? I just happened to step on that word that I want to share with you. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Um, anyway, all that intro for this. So, testimony. Testimony is important. It is a very important. By the letter of the law, as we see it happen in courts, testimony has to be very clear and concise and be informative. And most importantly, it has to be truthful. 
testimony has to be truthful. Now, in the court of law, when you go on, on this plane of existence, that testimony is as truthful as the person telling it can possibly get it, um, and witnesses' testimony will be variable, and that is because... And that's because perceptions are different from different angles or where they're standing or where they're sitting or where they were when they saw what happened or claim they saw it. When you testify to the word of God and you testify, it must be truth and only truth. So help you God and the Holy Spirit that you speak the truth and nothing but the truth. And you don't have to swear on the Bible. You don't have to take an oath to do that. But if you're going to testify, you're going to bear witness, it must be truth. It must be in evidence of a fact. And you can't very well testify if you don't know God. You can't testify in truth if you don't know God. If you don't have a relationship with God, you now you might know about him, but then you have a thing called hearsay evidence. And in a court of law, hearsay evidence is not permissible, except every once in a while you'll have a crooked judge or something, you'll get some Yahoo that'll be on the sitting on the bench and he'll allow hearsay evidence, which makes no sense because the witness will not know and cannot bear facts. The only thing that the witness will be able to do is tell the court or testify to what they heard about. And what if they heard something that wasn't truthful? But everybody talked about it. And here that's going to lead me into my next point. Cheetahs and leopards. They're not the same thing, but yet we have, in this plane of existence, we have so many individuals, and that's really, a, that's a metaphor for the fact that people, they like to base things that they know, and then they claim to be fact on things that they really don't know, and just because so many people talk about it, they believe it to be true. People claim that pit bulls were bred for fighting. Well, the truth of the matter is that they were not bred for fighting. They're actually not a, a fighting dog. Pit bulls historically used to be called a nanny dog. And the reason that they were bred the way they are and the way they look is because they were in the Depression era and my father was raised around one that looked like just looked exactly like Petey from the Little Rascals. Uh, you have to be of a certain age to know what I'm talking about. But anyway, his pit bull had a great big ring around his eye. It looked just like the dog. And the pit bulls were bred because they really, really, really liked children. No, not to eat them. They like children. They have this, they're drawn to children for some reason. And people have this, oh my God, oh, don't let them near the children. They're going to attack the children. Well, they're not like that. They come to children, they're protective. They're very protective. They call them a nanny dog for a reason. 
when mom and dad during the depression had to be away from the house now working and the oldest kids that were old enough to work they had to be away from the house as well somebody had to mind the children but during the depression you couldn't pay a housekeeper and there was not always a grandma and grandpa around a lot of times grandma and grandpa were helping in the fields too and come along onto the scene was a pit bull the nanny dog very protective, very loyal to the family, very particular, and they loved children. And they were not bred to fight. And where they get their mean and honoriness from is you have people like that football guy. What's his name? Vic? Sorry, but I could tell that that guy was lying from the get-go. That he didn't know anything about everything that was going on in the house that he bought and paid for, or was paying for. And that all the property that these dog cages and animal, and they were being kept in was on his property and that the financing and everything came from his money somehow but he claims he didn't know how that happened well then of course just like we have another individual that swears up and down he didn't do it and then when he got in front of court he finally just said okay I did it well finally the truth came out the point to that is that people will say that they know something or they claim to be testifying to what they know, but it's hearsay. There are so many people that go along with hearsay. Uh, the cheetah and leopard, they're two different species of animal. They look physio physically, they look different. Physiologically, they're different. Um, they're not the same animal. But yet you'll have people that will testify that it is the same animal. And they will swear up and down it's the same. You have individuals that claim to be Christian and claim to have this theological degree that will do the same thing. They will testify with things that they heard about and nothing that they know about. Now, it seems to me if you're going to claim to be a Christian and you're going to claim to have this theological wizardry going on up in your attic, uh, floating around up there and giving you all this knowledge that um, shouldn't you know things? Shouldn't you know about, not just know about God, but you should know God. You should have relationship with God. You should know the Holy Spirit. You should know how the Holy Spirit works and acts. And these people will make commentary about things that they've only read about, that they don't know about. I'm sharing this with you because I'm telling you things that I know. This is what I know. I know that Abba Yahweh, my heavenly father, maker of all things made, I have faith that he did do all those things. And what I have seen that he testifies to in the Bible, and there's two examples of his testimony. Um, you will have Exodus 16, 34 and 25, 16. Now Moses was told to do something by God and he told Aaron to do it and they did that. And it was to put before the seed of the testimony. And, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. And then you have his truths. Things that he tells us. And my testimony is that I've seen these things. I see these things. I have in my alone time when God comes... I've shared with you, I can feel him. 
I know he's here. It didn't just isn't kind of like I think. I know. If the Holy Spirit guides me to a certain place. I shared with you uh, last time I shared was I came out here and my Bible was open to a certain place and I certainly don't recall doing that. And a lot of people jump right on that. Well, yeah, you don't remember. So of course you could have. Yeah, could have. But I didn't because what I was looking at in the Bible was in a different location. And when I came and sat down, the Bible was in a different place and there was no marker in it. And I was shown the scriptures that I shared. And things that I do know is that God is a mystery. And I don't try to figure out how the relationship works between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit because they are a triune spirit. I've shared the uh, trichel and how people try to tell me that that was a sign of witchcraft and this and that. And they were telling me all this stuff that they supposedly knew about it and that I shouldn't be wearing it. And I looked at them and I said, so how do you know that to be fact? Did you research anything? Oh, so-and-so, so-and-so told me and, and I'd heard about it. And I said, oh, well, let me tell you what the facts are. So I did because I had researched it and I found out so that I wasn't going to be doing something. And there are people that will utilize it for wrongful purposes as they do for a lot of things. But the trichel is a perfect example of the interwining spirits of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's a beautiful example of that, and it's a beautiful piece of artwork. So that's what I know because I researched it. I didn't have somebody tell me to go talk to so-and-so who might tell, be able to tell you this about that and this about that on this and this and that and that. I did it my own. Testimony is an open declaration and my profession of faith. I have faith in God and in the hope And remember, and as it tells us, that hope and faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I believe that I'm going to be in heaven. I believe that when God tells me that it's time to go, that I'm going to be seeing my loved ones that I haven't seen that have gone on before. I have two brothers, maybe a third brother I haven't seen or heard from him. And my mother and father, I have uncles, aunts, my grandmother and grandfather. I have a lot of folks up there. But what's most amazing is that I'm gonna spend time with my father, his only begotten son, and the Holy Spirit will be there and all the loved ones. That I have faith in. That I believe to be truth. I believe that in truth because I have faith in that. I have faith in the word of God. So when you go to testify, and I think that some churches, they they do their, I've, I've shared with you before that they you have to go and you get a little, 
certificate. Some churches do it differently and they do it more uh, aggressively and I don't agree with the way that they do it. Um, and if you don't have a little certificate from them that says that you can go and witness, then they don't want you to. Now, I believe that some have a good intention that they want to make sure that you understand that there's a difference between just going out and talking blah, 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 hearsay and what you don't know. And what many churches and what I would say is that they want you to testify or share with what you know. What do you know? What's your personal experience with Jesus? What's your personal experience with God? Do you have one? You should have one. And if you don't, then you, then you need to get one. You have to have a personal abidance with God. I mean, it's, he makes himself available. I mean, goodness gracious, I've shared with you numerous times, as long as I've been, as long as I've been doing this, as long as God has been allowing me to do this, I've shared this. God is never gone. When people talk about God has left, yeah, he may have turned his back like he has on his nation because, oh my goodness gracious, by the choices that this nation has made, just like Israel made for a long time and in that 40 years they wandered around the wilderness, why did they do that? Because they didn't obey God. They had no faith in what God told them he would do and they decided to give a negative report when the spies came back and the whole nation basically voted and said, okay, we're going to believe that that God can't do everything, that the maker of everything made is not able to deliver on his promise. We're going to believe the negative report from these guys that said, what? We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We're going to believe them over a prophet of God. We're going to believe them over what God said. So God said, oh, okay. Well, then... What was that song a long time ago? Uh, uh, can't remember it now. And of course, Israel wouldn't sing it in this way, but I love to go a-wandering. <laughs> no, they didn't. They wandered for 40 years because God was going to make a delivery to them, to the promised land. He was going to bring them in, and he said, hey, it's going to be yours. It flows with milk and honey. But they decided these Yabus that went in there and saw these great big guys who were related to Goliath and they came back and that was, the, that was their exact report. The Bible says just that way. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. So when you go to present a testimony, you want to make sure that you're delivering something that is truthful and factual. Was that truthful and factual? Well, they were cowards and they saw themselves as being small, so partially so. But because it was negative and totally contrary to what God had promised, and they convinced the others to follow what they saw or what they're reporting, and it wasn't a good testimony, come back and say, there's some big people up there. They're really, really big. Giants. So big we've never seen anything like that.
But God told us that he was going to deliver this to us. God told us this was our land and he promised that he would bring us here. So if God brought us here, he's going to make sure that delivery is made. We just have to do a little house cleaning. They didn't testify that way. They said, oh, no, 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 no. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers and they're going to just smash us. There's, there, we have no hope. We have no hope. We can't go in there and, and fight them. Oh, wait a second. So you're telling me that the giants that seem, seem to be very large and you saw yourself as to be diminished and much smaller than, than what you are and that the God that created all things has no way that he can deliver this to you and take from these very hostile, large people? Hmm. So when you testify, don't testify to what you heard or what you think or what you might know about. You have to be able to give specific testimony. And it must be, and it should be, will be, must be on what you know. What I know is that my Lord, my God, is the Ancient of Days, the maker of all things made. He is Abba Yahweh, my Heavenly Father. Abba, Father. More importantly, it's more, more a term of endearment, like you would say Dad or Papa. Some would even go to the extreme of saying Daddy. But, and this culture is, you know, when you get to a certain age, you stop calling, you just stop calling uh, your mother mommy and dad daddy. But Abba, it's a term of endearment for your, your father. It's not just dad or father, it's a term of endearment. A term of endearment and respect. When people hear you say that, they hear you and you're recognizing that that's my father. My father. And at the same time, you're letting the folks know that you're recognizing head of my house. Yes, Father, thank you. <laughs> Holy Spirit made me plug that. Didn't make me, but it's a good plug. He is the head of my house. I love that. I need to work on it more and allowing myself to step out because brothers and sisters, let's face it. And that young contemporary singing group that I shared with you before, Shane and Shane, that they sing about being busy fighting the battle that he has already won. We tend to do that a lot because we're not listening to the Holy Spirit and the precepts of God to all, and, and his directions and his commands. They tell us that, that the Holy Spirit will do that and will also let us know which ones we gotta fight. There are some that we need to be fighting, but yet you have many Christians or so-called Christians, label heads and self-proclaimed that will 
I read the end of the book. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to fight anything. We win. So they don't do anything. And then they will also will have the same knuckleheads will come back and tell you that, well, the devil doesn't bother me. How come I hear you talking about it all the time? Well, because he's already got you. He doesn't need to bother you. He has you right where he wants you to be, and you've allowed that to happen. So, of course, he doesn't come to bother you. And here's the truth and my testimony to the truth and the facts. That the closer you walk to God and the closer you get to God and the closer you want to walk with God, the more the devil's going to harass you and bother you. Why? Because he doesn't want you there. And the reason he doesn't bother anybody and they say that he doesn't come and bother them is because he's already got them. They're already doing what he wants them to do. They're not going to church. They're not testifying. They're not going to Bible study. They're not reading the Bible. And they don't go witness to anybody. Or maybe they just go to church. They're just that, they're that Sunday go to meeting Christian. And those are the individuals that will just show up and they carry a Bible. Don't ever open it. They carry it so they look the part. They don't ever open the Bible and they... In church, they won't worship. Oh. Get them to raise your hand and, and show folks that they're worshiping God. Oh. No. They will stand with their hands in their pockets, their shoulders all hunched, and their head, and they're looking down. Or then they feel the phone vibrate. If they even do that anymore. I don't, mine doesn't do that. But, um, and I turn my mine off. I turn the sound all the way down. And most of the time, when I get into church, before I even get settled, I turn the power off to the phone. And the length of time that we're in the church, it reboots and I don't have to hear it ring and it won't bother anybody. But they've got their phone silenced, but they can feel it and they pull it out and they start clicking and playing with the phone. They're not interested in being at church and worshiping. And what kind of testimony is that? But what I do is I don't I don't get distracted by them. You, they used to distract me. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was distracted by a lot of things that were going on in church. And I was too busy doing that comparison thing. The Bible tells us not to do that. That is not acceptable. Because when you do that, you start doing the comparison thing. And then you start doing... Uh, self-deprivation, you start degrading yourself, you start belittling yourself, and then you start that on other people, and then you start complaining. God doesn't run a complaint department. God is the president, CEO, and the maker of the reparation company that he has, that he operates, and it's called Heaven. And his, his executive, you can call him that, was Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ, who came to this plane of existence, who died on the cross for you and me. And that's when he saw us from afar off. I, I love, I've come to really, really love that when I find that in the scriptures. Peter talks about the uh, Holy Spirit for, for them that are afar off. And in reading contextually to that, and the Holy Spirit guided me in this, 
He was talking about me. Peter was talking about me. He hadn't even met me, but he was talking about me. When you see that in the scripture, it's talking about time distance. It's not talking about the physical distance from point A to point B being a far away from Jerusalem to Damascus, from Jerusalem to Syria, from Jerusalem to Jericho, far off and it was dangerous roading. This is when you had the Samaritan thing happen. That's not what it's talking about in the scripture. And the Holy Spirit put that on my heart and I know I'm speaking truth, so I'm starting to get all emotional about this. I'm feeling this welling up in there. Jesus saw me from afar off. And it talks about God knowing me before I get up, when I lay down, and he knows on my, my standing, my rising, my sitting down, knows all about those things. And he knows my thoughts from afar off. He knows the words that are going to come. And I love the scriptures when they, when they say that. It makes me very excited because Peter talks about the Holy Spirit afar off. And there are many people when, when it talks in Acts 2, and, and we, are, we are talking about the Holy Spirit today in case you didn't know. Sorry, didn't make that clarif clarification, but I'm going to do that now. So anyway, um, it's very important. The Holy Spirit, you find it in <clears throat> throughout the Bible. It's also spoken of a number of times in the Old Testament. And people think that the, the Holy Spirit wasn't known of until... Jesus asked God to send the Holy Spirit down. <clears throat> and that the Holy Spirit was going to come and teach us and guide us and give us knowledge and, and comfort us because he was leaving. I have to go prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. In my house, there's a lot of mansions. I got to make sure that they're set up for you. No, it's paraphrasing. He didn't say it exactly that way, but he said it close that way. And he said, however, I will ask my father to send another for you. The comforter, the Holy Spirit. And it didn't just happen in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit has been around as long as God's been around. And you got to remember, as I shared with you in this trikeel, I love the trikeel because they're interwoven. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are interwoven. They're, they're one. They can separate and they can be one. This is one of the mysteries of God. And then you're going to have these profoundly smart people that try to figure that out. And then because of their knowledge on this plane of existence, they're going to try to convince other people that that's not possible. Well, who says so? You and your colleagues who try to figure so many things out. And you can't even rationally talk about certain theories that are going to, you don't even understand the relatively, relativity between quantum, quantum jumps and quantum physics. You can't figure that much out. And then because you think that a certain person's station in life doesn't allow them to be able to talk to you and a group of your colleagues about certain things. Well, 
that's unfortunate. Arrogant and not factual. I love what I found when it talks about afar off. And I really love that fact. And you have to understand when it talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's been around in the Old Testament all the way in through the New Testament. And it just didn't happen because you have these theological wizards <clears throat> talking about they've decided that it's in the New Testament and that Jesus said is coming now. But if you go back and you read the scripture and in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is talked about as wind. And that's very relevant because on the day of Pentecost, the sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. That's pretty powerful. And you have the wind that came from the east that brought the locusts into Egypt. The wind came, it blew for an entire day and an entire night, and in the morning, the locusts were there. Here they are. But then when there was repentance and Moses pled that out to God, God brought the gentle westerly wind and blew all the locusts out. And as the scripture says, there was not a locust left on the coast of Egypt. Blew them all out into the ocean. Then the seagulls or whatever, seabirds and the fish, they had a feast. And there was a locust found on the land of Egypt. The vehement east wind is spoken of that came to Jonah. Um, the Holy Spirit is from the beginning, in the beginning. It's in the scripture. We see that and in the New Testament. <clears throat> Pardon me. There is testimony throughout the Bible of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures bear that testimony out to be true. My faith in my Lord, my God, that he is truth. And these are the things that he shares with us. And <clears throat> when Peter talks about the Holy Spirit and they come down in here and, and then of course you have the individuals that come up and 
Then they wanted to accuse him of being drunk. He said, they're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. And why would they be drinking and that's not the way it's done. You don't even you don't even touch anything. This is only the third day, the third hour of the day. And you don't hear that. And the scripture, Peter talks about that. I'm I'm I gotta share this a far off thing with you again. I just I really, really like that. And I like it, and especially, too, that the Holy Spirit has given me and telling me that I'm not, I'm not wrong. And we can find this in Acts 2, 38. I'm going to read 38 through 40, actually. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there are a lot of, a lot of, I've talked about this before, there's a lot of folks in churches today that convince others and give false testimony, they're teaching falsely, and they're teaching false doctrines, and lying um, is what that's about. They're saying that, that God doesn't do that anymore. Because we have too much technology. We have, we have too much knowledge. So basically because of everything that we know, and we're know-it-alls, and this is what I share about those that claim to be woke, we only know everything. Well, those individuals don't know everything, and they're actually mostly clueless, and they're very incorrect in many, many respects. And what they base everything on is hearsay. The same thing when you got these. God doesn't pour out that is the Holy Spirit anymore and he doesn't put his gifts out like that because we don't need it. We have the technology, we have all this knowledge, we know so much stuff. And no, you're caught up in all the stuff. You still need God, you still have to talk about God, you still have to have a personal relationship with God and God does indeed pour out his spirit. And God has told us in his word that he will pour out his blessings on them that love the Lord. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings in abundance. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean he's going to give you a big mansion and all kinds of cars and loads of money and he's going to dump that on you from heaven. That's not what that means. It means that he gives you more than sufficient amount and he will pour it out. You can't even contain the blessings that he pours out. There's no, you can't, you have no way to do it. And God will and does do that. And he talks about, and where does that come from? That comes from the, the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are a blessing from God and it comes down like a rushing mighty wind. It is the breath of God that comes from the throne of heaven. And how dare you? Yeah, I'm going to get a little agitated. How dare you to try to testify falsely 
derisively that God does not do that anymore and that we have more sovereignty over the Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, the heavenly father, and he promises that he will do so. And here Peter talks about this. Let me see this. And this is not a timeline. It says, okay, this is going to just happen in our time. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Doesn't say just during this time that we're doing that here. It says anyone and anywhere. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from the untoward generation. What does that mean? Exactly what I told you. God will. Peter's talking about me. Peter was was doing <laughs> this is it's absolutely wonderful. I love it. And as I shared with you, the Holy Spirit does not tell me that I'm incorrect. Actually, it tells me that I'm correct. Peter, Peter was talking about me. I could see Peter walking around up there and, and doing all this and, and giving his sermon. After they had the Holy Spirit came in and sat down on them, and then all those, all those that were gathered there could hear their own native language. And as those professors at the university, which doesn't mean that they actually had more education than I, they had more, they might have more book smarts, but I love science, so I stayed in a lot of that. But because my job was visible to them and was a secondary, they saw me that way. And their compatriot and their colleague said, you, 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 you can't do that, shouldn't do that. And he's aware of a lot more than you think. And then they found out that he was speaking the truth, and I did. But, again, this is not to toot my horn, but but these, the individuals there on the day of Pentecost, those that were talking and were sharing the disciples, remember where they came from? You had Matthew, Thomas, and Luke. Three of the twelve that were um, that had received schooling and had gone and got letters of instruction, spoke languages, knew numbers, could do different things. Matthew spoke several languages, was aware of several languages, and could write. And many of them were not able to or they hadn't learned yet. Thomas knew numbers, he knew calculations, he knew logic. And then you had um, uh, Nathaniel, I believe, was an architect. So you had, you had some educated, but primarily they came from an uneducated collection. And people knew and recognized that many were fishermen and had been shepherds, and they considered some of these things that they did as... as uh, Secondhand jobs, you might say, or something, because of what they did. I mean, shepherds, the way I look at it, and the way many folks did for so long, but even back in those days, shepherds were basically secondhand 
citizens. They were always ostracized, we always put outside, but they smelled like sheep all the time, so I kind of get that, I, I suppose, but they, always, they, they were with the flock, they were guarding the flock, and they were outside there, but people, people needed them, and they were hired by uh, landowners and those that had flocks to, to take care of them, but they couldn't be inside the city because people didn't like the smell of sheep. I don't know what that's about because I don't mind it so much. But of course, I'm kind of a country guy, so I don't stuff like that. But anyway, testimony to things need to be in truth. And the truth that I learned from the Bible is that so many things that we look at as one way are visually seen and acted upon in a total different way and manner through the love of God. Let's look at this. Holy Spirit's taking me down a different direction than what I, I had, <laughs> what I thought I was going to do. So let's look at the shepherds since that was brought up. And everyone thinks that they know about the shepherds and what they know about shepherds. But Jesus talks about himself as being a good shepherd. And he talks about laying his life down and that a good shepherd will do that very thing. And before he was crucified, he was, he was alluding to that, talking about being the good shepherd. But... Who are the, when Jesus came to this plane of existence, he came very humbly. He was born in a stable and he slept in a manger and was wrapped in a swaddling cloth, which is, as I shared with you, that's what they used to help the sheep, the ewe, if she was having difficulty in, the, in birthing the lamb, that they would wrap the lamb and pull it out. So a lot of times they were had blood and there were things, but they, these were clean and they were and they always cleaned them. I mean, this is this is the culture that they cleaned everything. So they were laundered and they were folded and left in there. But this is what Jesus was wrapped in, and I find this to be enlightening and humbling and stands out. Jesus was called by John when John saw him. When Jesus was coming to the Jordan, where John the Baptizer was doing business and handling the God's business, and they people were coming to be baptized, John saw him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, whose sandals have not fit to latch. That was his earthly cousin. For those of you that don't know or don't remember that I shared this with you before, John is, was, is now, because you're in heaven together. Um, Jesus' earthly cousin. When Mary came and saw Elizabeth and they greeted one another and she hugged her, Elizabeth said she could feel John leapt in the womb. He didn't just kick, you know, babies kick and move around. She said she felt him leap. Lamb. And who were the first ones, who were the first ones that the angels came and evangelized to? Off in the distance, in the Far East, they had the Magi. 
who were the astronomers. They studied the stars and charts and they, they saw the constellations and these things and then they witnessed from where they were this new star that appeared that they hadn't seen before. At the same time that they were making their move from the east and coming to see Jesus. And let's understand this too, is that the, the Magi, they didn't all just kind of converge all at the same time. The Magi took a little while to get there and they're traveling and, and they're stopping and collecting things that they were going to deliver. But the first ones, the angels came and gave the Magi visions and dreams but the first ones that the angels evangelized to, they came to the shepherds who were in the fields where they lay in the dark. There's a song written about it. The angels came and the shepherds were sore afraid. And the angel said, be not afraid for I bring you tidings of great joy born to you, born unto you this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem. Of course, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. It wasn't there, so I didn't yet, but I read the scripture. Is the only begotten Son of God is born this day. He will be the King. All of these things. And they, they evangelized to the shepherds. And then and they let them know. And the shepherds were all gathered there together. They weren't afraid anymore. They were afraid because this angel showed up with the heavenly flame, I'm, I'm sure. And I'll share with you when I first saw my angel, when God allowed me to see that. It was a little frightening. But the Spirit of the Lord quenched that fear in them. They said, don't be afraid. We're bringing you really good news. The king is born this day in the city of Bethlehem. You will find him in a stable, laying in a manger, and he'll be wrapped and those cloths that are used to birth lambs, he's going to be wrapped up in there waiting. You go see him. And the shepherds went. They were the first ones evangelized. Lowly and humble and not able to come into town when everybody else was there because they smelled like sheep. God doesn't care. Remember, I've shared this with you before. God is a respecter of no man and no woman, meaning that God does not give precedence one over another. John 3.16, just like that pervert tried to say that God said it wrong and that he's going to rewrite because it was meant to be a different way and that we've been teaching it wrong. Wait a minute, God said it exactly how he meant to say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that somebody that's got more money, more wealth, more possessions, more kids, more boats, more cars, that he came to die and give them presents. That's not what it says. It doesn't mean that 
blacks over whites, whites over blacks, and anybody else. It doesn't give any precedence to anyone. God is a respecter of no man or no woman. He does not care what you have, what you do not have. He doesn't care what the color of your skin is because he gave us the donation. He made us. The character of your heart is your choice. And if you choose to have a good character, if you choose to be a brother or sister to other men and women, then that's a good thing because that's what the Bible tells us we are supposed to do. But you have all these individuals that want to stir up all this derisiveness and all this hatred and stir up this thing here. And they want to follow after the precepts and tenets of Satan rather than the precepts and tenets of God. That's their choice. That's a choice. And we are given a choice. And John 3.16, God talks about our choice. He sent Jesus to save the world and not condemn the world. But there are those that choose not to accept that he is the only begotten son of God and choose not to have faith in God. They have condemned themselves. That's the condemnation. Not that God is condemning them for not. God gives everyone an opportunity to repent. That's my job. To share the word, to share the truth, to share the knowledge and give you an opportunity to say, wow, that's powerful. I need to look this up. I need to study this. I need to show that I'm approved of God and then I need to repent. And remember that word repentance simply means change of direction or turn around. So let me ask you this about that. Have you reached that turning point in your life? Have you reached that turning point that you need to repent and turn around and go the direction that you are intended to do and not that you were following? If so, then what you do is you simply talk to the Lord. Jesus, I want you in my life. I want my life to change. I've heard what is being testified to. I want to be in your word. I want to study your truth. I want to be a good student. I want to be a child of God. Come into my life. Change my life. I want to have faith in you, Father God. I want the Holy Spirit to guide my steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. Done deal. It's done. That's all that is required. Doesn't require a big band. It doesn't require anything, any pomp and circumstance is not required. The only thing that is required is that the character of your heart comes to God in spirit and truth and say, I want that. I want to be that way. I want to be an heir for the kingdom of heaven. That sounds good to me, Father, and I want that. And then when you testify, you testify what you know. You have a personal relationship with God, not just what you read about. And reading the Bible, you can go, and there's a lot of folks that do this. They, <laughs> they're not following the rule of faith, but they like to read the New Testament. They won't go back to the Old Testament. You had that in the Sanhedrin. You had the Sadducees who only read the first five scrolls of Torah, what they call the, the books of Moses. And they wouldn't read the books of the prophets. And then you had the Pharisees who read 
all the books. And then some of the Sadducees, they convince them. And, but basically, they separate. And you have that going on in this very day. You have individuals that read the New Testament. They won't go back and read the Old Testament because it's only history. God's word. It's only God's history. It's only God telling us what happened before Jesus came. So they don't want to read about that. They don't want to read it. But here's the thing that they're missing out on. I have found in the word of God that you can find Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. You can find Jesus all the way back. The Holy Spirit started on the first day. And the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God was on the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit was moving. Was moving on the face of this place that we reside on. Jesus appeared several times. Joshua, Nebuchadnezzar. So you have individuals that want to be the separatist sort of thing, but that's not what the Word of God says. So that we're supposed to be one, of one mind, one body, like-minded, edifying, lifting each other up, praying one for another, and testify of truth. Don't be a separatist. Don't be a part. And just reach out and accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And it's an easy thing to do. It is actually an easy thing to do. And the Word of God does not promise that everything is going to be a rose garden when you do that. And I love that uh, Brandon Hastings has a song about reason, about hallelujah and, and praise that we do that regardless. The roses are going to come up, but they might not be red and they might not fully blossom. The mountain not, might not move as we think it should, but in God's timing, see, we look at everything as our timing and not at God's. And we want everything done the way we want it done, not according to the will of God. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Every day, be blessed.